It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for part five of the Sam Darnold Project as we move into 2019. Remember, we are going through each game and each play was graded. There's a whole color-coded chart. Michael Nania did all of this. He joins me, taking a little bit of a break from all his writing. Right now, he's actually doing this same thing for a whole bunch of other quarterbacks. So it's going to be fun to get his view on how Sam Darnold compares to the rest once he finishes watching all the snaps from these other guys. But he did finish Sam Darnold, so we move into the 2019 season today. Michael Nania, thanks for coming on. Looking forward to doing part five today my friend yeah great to be back and we're moving into the 2019 season 2018 uh, was a roller coaster ride and 2019 the same description applies so lots of ups and lots of downs to talk about and the first one was week number one against the buffalo bills and we didn't know it at the time watching michael but sam Darnold had a little thing called mono and it certainly <laughs> impacted his performance in this game you gave him a 28 overall score the good-to-bad play ratio was pretty horrendous. It was almost 2-1 to one in the wrong direction. 15 good plays to 26 bad ones. And this is one of those games where he didn't even really try to do much. And when he did do anything, it was little checkdowns. And when he did that, he wasn't super successful with it. What I do remember here is that Jamison Crowder had a ton of yards on a ton of targets. So it was one of those things where you realize that he was going to be Darnold's security blanket, but you didn't want it to be that way where it was going to be at the expense of everything else. And then Le'Veon Bell... Not that he did well on a yards per carry basis, but I remember a couple of nice runs from him, so there was some optimism with Le'Veon Bell. If only we knew what was to come the rest of the season with him and everything that would go down with the offensive line and Adam Gase, but the mono clearly affected Sam Darnold, who looked very, very weak, and Michael, perhaps Sam Darnold wouldn't have gotten mono if he would have relied on Omax Health, because Omax Health is all about making you feel better. If you're living with chronic pain, you know how terrible it is. Constant discomfort. It can keep you from exercising, sleeping, or even eating. So if you're dealing with chronic muscle and joint pain, then make sure you try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution, cryo-free CBD roll-on developed by Omax Health. It's non-prescription. It's an easy roll-on. It's 100% natural, and it works within 10 minutes. And here's the best part. As a listener of Play Like a Jet, you get a 20% off discount on a full bottle of cryo-free CBD pain relief roll-on and free shipping. Discount also applies towards any product site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today and enter promo code OVERTIME. That's omaxhealth, O-M-A-X-Health.com. 
promo code OVERTIME and you'll get yourself 20% off cryo-freeze and anything site-wide. And while you certainly want to keep your body healthy, you definitely want to keep your home healthy and that's why you want to go to Simply Safe. Every night, local police departments across America receive hundreds of calls from burglar alarms. The vast majority of the time, they have no idea whether the alarm's real. Is there really a crime going on or not? All the alarm company can tell them is that the motion sensor went off. But Simply Safe gives you a much higher level of home security. If there's a break-in, Simply Safe uses real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. That means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home, 24-7 monitoring by live security professionals. And it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. Visit simplysafe.com slash overtime and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash overtime so they know Play Like a Jet sent you. That's simplysafe.com slash overtime. Now, Michael, we've established that Sam Darnold should have kept his body safe with Omax Health and his home safe with Simply Safe. So let's talk about how you rated his performance in this game against the Buffalo Bills. It didn't seem like he was ready to capitalize on the momentum he had built at the end of 2018. Yeah, definitely. This was, and like you said, we did not know at the time what he was dealing with, but, you know, watching it, it was clear that, um, you know, there might be something wrong with him. He just did not look like uh, himself. And, you know, it is a little hindsighted to say that, but I do remember watching that afterward and being like, this is not the guy who, you know, we saw finishing the 2018 season over those last four games. The guy who we saw in the preseason and training camp just looks uh, so sharp, so comfortable, uh, just so much, so improved in his second season, did not look like that guy at all. And he just had no confidence to push the ball downfield in this game. And that's why you had Jameson Crowder getting just 99 yards on the 17 targets. And Crowder did have six first downs, which is really good. Uh, But that's why he's getting so many targets, because Darnold just would not push the ball downfield and kept checking it down time and time again. So his confidence was really not good in this game. It wasn't so much, well, his accuracy was bad in this game, but it was more so uh, what he's deciding not to do. Uh, than what he was messing up in this game. Let's compare and contrast the two quarterbacks here, Michael. Before we go to the box scores, you had the opportunity to watch Josh Allen and grade him in this one as well. I did not think he had a very impressive performance here. He had multiple turnovers, put the ball on the ground, interceptions, took some sacks, including a strip sack from Jordan Jenkins. There was the pick six with C.J. Mosley. So he had a really, really rough day. How did healthy Josh Allen compare to Mono Sam Darnold? Yeah, so I gave Mono Sam a 28 (laughs) in this game and healthy Josh a 38. So he was better because, you know, he did make a few good throws over the middle uh, outside the numbers in this game. But overall, the Bills in this game had five turnovers. There was an interception called back. Marcus May had an interception opportunity that he dropped, a really bad throw by Allen. So Allen had some huge mistakes in this game, some really, really bad reads down the field, just throwing the ball into double coverage, totally not recognizing Marcus May over the top a few times. And there were a couple interceptions that weren't entirely his fault because they were pretty unlucky. They just deflected into the air but they were inaccurate throws that you know if he made at a regular if he threw as accurately as you know he should be able to make those easy throws like the one to Cole Beasley that CJ Mosley picked off uh, if he threw those as accurately as he should have been able to under no pressure 
Uh, they wouldn't be interceptions, but uh, he had some big mistakes in this game and he did not play well uh, at all. So, you know, Darnold did have his struggles, but on the other side, at least we could feel okay about Josh Allen, who did not have mono in this game, uh, also playing pretty poorly. Let's compare the box scores. Josh Allen, 24 of 37, 254 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions, the one sack from Jordan Jenkins, who stripped it. Quarterback rating of 71.2 and a QBR of 49.2. On the Jets' side of things, 28 out of 41 for Sam Darnold, 175 yards, 4.3 yards per attempt, and that really is the one that you look at and shake your head. One touchdown, no interceptions, four sacks, partially because of Darnold, partially because of the offensive line, 84.9 quarterback rating, and a 33 QBR. So this is an example of where quarterback rating can be very misleading because 85 is a decent score for a quarterback, and he was nowhere near decent on this day. Yeah, and his passer rating gets bumped up because he had no interceptions, uh, and he did have the one touchdown, but that, that's what makes it look really good. But like you said, the 4.3 yards per attempt is what really sums up uh, how well he actually played in this game. Just absolutely nothing downfield outside the numbers. His accuracy was really bad. And we know that those throws to the outside are, that's where arm strength really shows. You know, deep deep throws are one thing, but, you know, you need touch on those. You need timing. But out, outside the numbers, that's where you really need that straight line velocity. And Darnold clearly did not have that in this game. So as much as he lacked that confidence to go downfield, it was those outside throws where, you know, the the power definitely was not there. He was physically not really not fit to play in this game and that was obvious with some of the throws he was missing so the yards per attempt really makes it seem more uh, is a better representation of how well he played in this game and the interceptions he actually did uh, did have a couple dropped ones in this game uh, and there was one play where he was actually trying to throw a dump off to Le'Veon Bell in the backfield and he just completely missed it and it was a it was a lateral pass so that one actually could have been uh, a turnover he missed the dump off it Luckily, bounced out of bounds, but that could have been a turnover as well. Just inaccurate on a really easy pass that he usually hits at a very good rate. So in this game, he was not himself. And it wasn't as bad as some of the other bad games that he's had just because he did stay away from those turnovers you know, because he was so conservative. So at least you can give him credit for that. But he is clearly not physically ready to play in this one. Michael, how did your grade of 28 compare to what PFF gave him for this game? Yeah, PFF very, very curiously gave him, they gave him a good grade in this game. I'm pulling it up right now, but uh, yeah, I really am not sure what they were looking at because he really struggled. They gave him a 68.7 overall grade, almost as good as he got against the Cowboys. That That is one of the uh, most questionable grades I've ever seen with them on a quarterback. He was He clearly did not play well in this game at all. There were people open. He was either, you know, misfiring to them, just not seeing them, checking the ball down. When there was something, a better choice down the field. I, I really have no idea what they were looking at with that score. Then we move ahead a couple of weeks because the mono kept Sam Darnold out in the Jets' first meeting against the Patriots in their meeting on Monday night against the Cleveland Browns. And then on the road against the Philadelphia Eagles, a game that I was at. And boy, was that a traumatic experience for a variety of reasons. <laughs> Michael, just to give you an idea of how pathetic the Jets were perceived to be going into that game, everybody knows the reputation that Philadelphia Eagles fans have for being absolutely brutal to people who are fans of the opposing team. My friend was wearing a Jets jersey at the game at Lincoln Financial Field, and nobody messed with him. 
And it's not because he looks like Brock Lesnar or anything. It's because they just were laughing and felt sorry for him. So that should tell you all you need to know about the state of the Jets while Sam Darnold was gone. That Philadelphia Eagles game was the last one of the 2019 season that would not be started by Sam Darnold for the New York Jets. He would come back against the Dallas Cowboys And this was the Sam Darnold that we thought we were going to see in week one before we found out about the mono. He was absolutely on fire in this game, particularly early on, but so many beautiful throws on the run. He looked exactly like the quarterback that we had seen the previous season against Houston, against Green Bay, against New England that final week of the season. And so all of the sudden, it looked like the Jets season might very well be alive, despite the fact that they had started off 0-4. Positive to negative play ratio, and you love to see this. 20 positive plays, 8 negative plays. Final score here, Michael, was a 79, which was the highest score that he would have for the season, and it's tied for the highest score that you've given him in any game of his career. The tie would be with the Houston Texans game the season before. So let's talk about this. It was a fantastic game from Darnold, and it really gave everybody a jolt because all of a sudden now, they beat a team in Dallas that we thought was going to be a major player in Super Bowl contention. Didn't work out that way as they would fade, so this has to be put in perspective in retrospect. But still, coming back off of the mono, his first game in weeks, and he does this. Tremendous stuff. Yeah, this game, it was so much fun to watch. It was so rejuvenating. The Jets had just scored... 10 offensive points in three games without him. Uh, We saw in week one, he clearly was not himself. So this kind of felt like the unofficial new start of the season. And he really came back and delivered, looked like the guy who we thought we were going to see throughout the season. And we did see plenty of moments, uh, plenty of games just like this one against the Cowboys. But this was his best game of the season, in my opinion. And he was just really comfortable in the offense. He came right out, was hitting throws over the middle very accurately. And my favorite thing about this game is that there, there are so many positives you can say about it. He was good under pressure. He was reading the field. He's getting the ball out quickly. But his ball placement in this game was so good, putting the ball in the perfect spot to allow the receivers to get every inch after the catch that they can possibly get. And that's one of, I think, his best traits, uh, both in his rookie season and now into 2019, is that the throws that are open, you know, whether he's dumping the ball off, throwing a screen, uh, someone over the middle, he always places the ball really well to allow – Uh, the receivers to maximize yards after the catch. He rarely misses the throws that the offense opens up, whether it's a good play call, a good route. He just doesn't mess those throws up. And I think that's why, you know, if you give him a good offensive line, if you create as many of those opportunities as possible for him to execute what the offense has created, then that's when he's going to really add a lot of value because I think he does execute these throws better than most other quarterbacks in the league at an elite rate, uh, just creating those yards after the catch, giving the receivers every chance Uh, the best opportunity to take the ball and just continue in stride straight up the field. And just, you know, over the course of an entire game, the entire season, not messing up screen passes, not blowing easy passes. uh, That's what he does really well. So the fact that the Jets with this O-line, this poor run game, everything they've had to deal with have, you know, probably created for him fewer easy open throws to make than most other quarterbacks, if not all other quarterbacks in the league, uh, that's really why you know he struggled because under pressure, that's where he can get a lot better, and he's had to deal with that more than anyone else. But when they keep him clean, like they did in this Cowboys game, probably the best offensive line performance of the season, he's delivering, getting the ball out quick, finding the right guy, and 
the variety of throws that he made in this game. He had a back shoulder throw to Robbie. He threw a very nice wheel route to Jameson Crowder early in the game. Obviously, the 92-yard touchdown, that was spectacular. Stepped up after the pressure from Edoga, was still under some heat in the pocket, not even set, flicks it up, 92-yarder, right just beyond Jeff Heath, the Cowboys' safety into the arms of Robbie Anderson. So many good throws in this game. There was that drive at the end of the first half in which he was hitting Ryan Griffin time after time. Some good placement on those throws. Uh, So this game, it was just he was consistent, showed off his entire arsenal in this game. So I think this was his best game of the season. It was really rejuvenating to see after what they went through without him. Uh, And really what made this game so good is that he made all those big plays, but no big mistakes. He did have the interception, but that was a miscommunication with Jameson Crowder. So we don't really know who to blame on that one. But in this game, I didn't grade any of his throws at a three or lower. So I grade every play from zero to 10, five is average. Uh, If I grade something three or lower, it's usually a very bad, inaccurate throw, a turnover-worthy play. Zero of those plays in this game, the only game of his career in which I didn't give him uh, a grade of three or lower on a single play. And he also had a uh, five throws graded a seven or higher. So those are elite throws. Uh, And that was 13.2% of all of his throws, third highest of the season. So made the big plays, didn't make any big mistakes, was consistent. Uh, This was an elite performance. And to see him come back, and lead them to over twice as many points as they scored in three games without him was just, I said rejuvenating a couple times, I think, but it's just the perfect word for this. He came back and sparked the entire team. Michael, like you said, the thing that was so encouraging was the fact that he was showing off all the different types of throws that he could make. And on top of that, of course, that huge throw to Robbie Anderson, the 92-yarder, that's the one that's going to stick out in everybody's mind. But I also love the way that he was spreading the ball around. And if you look at the box score, you'll even see that because you had three wide receivers who had very impactful stat lines. Robbie Anderson, 5 for 125 with a touchdown. Jamison Crowder, 6 for 98. Demarius Thomas, 4 for 62, and this is where you started to think to yourself, okay, I didn't think it was going to make much of an impact. They didn't give up anything, so I guess who cares? But this was where you thought to yourself, all right, this guy might actually be a decent third target. And then even Ryan Griffin, as you said, three catches, 28 yards, but one of those was a touchdown. So he was really spraying the ball around. And to me, that's a big part of what often makes a successful quarterback successful is the fact that he doesn't just zero in on one target or even two targets. Darnold was throwing the ball all over the place here And he was completing it to a whole bunch of different players Which at the time was extremely encouraging On top of everything that you already said Yeah, when you're spreading the ball around It's definitely a great uh, It's a great indictment on the quarterback Just his ability to get everybody involved And not rely on one receiver Because if he's relying on one receiver Then there's a good chance that You know, that receiver is just playing really well He's dominating the corner opposite him you know he's just getting open constantly making great catches but uh, if you're getting the ball to everybody then it means you're seeing the field really well identifying the holes and just doing a good job consistently making the best decision and not relying on okay I'm going to go to Robbie this game I'm going to go to Crowder this game just whoever's open that's the guy who's going to get the ball and obviously a credit to the play calling as well this was the one game this season even though the Jets only won this by two points and they almost had to go to overtime in this game this was arguably right after the Raiders game is their best team performance of the season. Good offensive line play, good play calling the defense, even though they, you know, really both sides did kind of fall off in the second half. But uh, like you said, at the point, the Cowboys were seen as 
an elite team and they kind of were an elite team if you just look at their point differential even though they didn't you know win as many nearly as many games to be an elite team uh teams like the jets they beat up on they usually destroyed the bad teams that they face and it was the good teams the cowboys struggled with but uh, at the time this was a really impressive win it was one of their best team performances they helped him out a lot and that's what darnold has done throughout both of the first two seasons of his career when everyone else has played well He's taken full advantage and played at a really high level. And this is something I talk about really with Darnold every time we talk about it, uh, whenever I talk about him. But uh, every quarterback is going to play better if you help him out with protection, getting people open. But I think Darnold takes better advantage of that than most other quarterbacks can. And that's why he can be really good if they do fix up this offensive line and some of the other issues on the offense. Comparing the two quarterbacks, Dak Prescott had a tough first half but was better in the second half. He finished 28 of 40, 278 yards, 7 yards per attempt, took one sack, and also finished with an 89.4 quarterback rating and a 75.1 QBR. So a solid day for Dak overall. And then the rushing game, this was interesting because for a while, Ezekiel Elliott stood as the only running back to get over 100 yards on the Jets in a single game, but... He did it on a 3.8 yards per carry clip, although he did have an impact in the passing game too. Five catches for 48 yards. So a decent day for Dak Prescott. That Cowboys offense didn't do much in the first half. They started to cook a little bit in the second half. And then when it comes to Darnold, the box score backs up everything we've been talking about. 23 of 32, 338 yards, 10.6 yards per attempt, which is incredible. Two touchdowns, the one interception he talked about, which was a miscommunication with Jamison Crowder, a 70.4 QBR and a 113.8 quarterback rating. So again, Michael, sometimes the box score matches what your eyes see. And this was one of those days. Yeah, definitely. And that, that's that's what will happen when the rest of the team helps him out. People are getting open. They're catching what's thrown. Uh, he's not there was not a lot of pressure in this game at all. So uh, when those things are happening and the quarterback is executing, he's going to put up some really good numbers. And I think he could have deserved uh, even better numbers in this game. He only had the two touchdowns and he did have the one interception. So that brings his passer rating down a little bit. But you mentioned the 10.6 yards per attempt. That's incredible. It's a phenomenal number. And even if you took out the 92 yard touchdown, it would still be really high. And an interesting fact about that touchdown, actually, he was. Uh, when he made that pass, the age he was at that time, he became the youngest quarterback in history to throw a 90-yard touchdown. So uh, plenty of uh, age records with Darnold still, even here in his second season at 22 years old. But this was a really great performance overall. Michael, I know we make fun of PFF, and it's justified most of the time. I have to assume that even they matched your score on this one, right? Well, they did give him a good score here. They gave him a 74.5 overall, but that's only the fourth best uh, that they gave him of the season, and that's a pretty good, not elite score. So I think they underrated him quite a bit here, overrated some of the games later in the season. But uh, yeah, I would say they underrated him here. They did recognize it as pretty good, but uh, just the overall kind of... Uh, well, with this game, what makes it really good and just an elite performance is that he was not making any big mistakes. There were some throws he was a little bit off on, uh, but you know, we went over the ratio 20 to eight uh, positive plays and negative, uh, at least by migrating. That's very good. Uh, and, and like we said, he didn't make any big mistakes. One interception was a miscommunication. And other than that, there was nothing even close to being turned over and his decision-making was great. So, and when you co- combine that with just how good the throws he was making were uh 
then that you have an elite performance. It's not like people were wide open. There were some wide open receivers, but the throw to Robbie, the wheel route to Crowder, the back shoulder to Robbie, uh, some of the throws to Griffin were really tight windows. He was making really good throws in this game. So just uh, for PFF to grade this one is just pretty good, I think is a pretty vast uh, underrated, a very underrated score for him. Par for the course for PFF. I guess I was giving them a little too much credit, Michael. For there to be a six-point difference in the Cowboys game, the Bills game, and their grades makes absolutely no sense to me. Especially since one game he had mono and could barely lift his arm, and the other game he was throwing the ball all over the place and destroying the Cowboys. But, hey, what do we know, I guess? That's why PFF gets the big bucks and all that. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. So we move ahead to Sam Darnold's third start of the season. This was a Monday night game. And going into this one, Jets fans were very optimistic because of what Darnold had done the week before. All of a sudden, Jets fans were puffing out their chests, bragging that the Patriots were afraid. They knew they could lose this game. They knew that Sam Darnold was on the rise and he was going to be the next great quarterback, not only in the AFC East, but in the NFL. And then the game got played, Michael, and it didn't quite work out that way. I was at this one, and it was one of the most depressing games that I've ever seen live. Not just because of the final score, which was 33-0. Not just because of the fact that the Jets seemed to never get out of their own way and never had a chance, even for a second in this game. 
It was because Sam Darnold, who had been so great the week before, he had dazzled everybody against the Dallas Cowboys, looked awful. This was the worst performance of his career by a mile. He absolutely got destroyed by the New England Patriots. Four interceptions, and that doesn't even really tell the tale. Taking a look at your positive to negative plays ratio, I'm actually surprised that it was even this good for him. He had 11 positive plays and 20 negatives, so two to one in the wrong direction. I would have thought it would have been way worse than that, just based on my memory of how disastrous this was. Of course, everybody knows this was the I'm seeing ghosts game, which has now become a moment in infamy. So if Sam Darnold becomes really, really good, or even if he doesn't become really, really good, that's what people are going to keep talking about for the rest of of time kind of the same way that Mark Sanchez gets talked about with the butt fumble of course unless Sam Darnold goes on to win Super Bowls or something although they'll still talk about that as a humorous moment if it gets to that point but this was just an absolutely wretched game all the way around from Sam Darnold and we'll get to the box scores in a second but just watching this live I was horrified and the Patriots weren't doing anything super crazy either it was cover zero the whole way and Sam Darnold just had no answers the offensive line couldn't block and he as he said was seeing ghosts all day the worst performance of Sam Darnold's career to this point and if he ever performs like this again I think we're all gonna have to crawl up into a ball and start to cry yeah this game was you know re-watching it every bit as bad as it was watching it live. I gave him a five out of a hundred and, and I might actually be changing up the scale a little bit once I do some more quarterbacks. So this could actually be even worse than that, but just, it was as bad as a performance as I've seen from any quarterback, not just with this team, but uh, with any team in the NFL and any league at any level, it was that bad. And it was really depressing to see after what he had done the week earlier against the Cowboys. Now, no one helped him out in this game. We do have to, uh, give some blame to every single other part of the Jets in this game. Demarius Thomas dropped a really good pass early in the game that who knows he catches that maybe the Jets go on a good drive and the whole game plays out differently. The offensive line was terrible. 48.5% pressure rate. That was tied for the second worst of the season. That's absolutely horrible. And that doesn't even tell the whole story because the pressures they were giving up were instant unblocked pressures. Like you said, lots of cover zero in this game, Uh, very aggressive blitzing and absolutely no answer to it from the offensive line. So Darnold could have handled it better, but also there was the offensive line and no idea what it was doing. And just got to blame the coaching staff a little bit too, because they had absolutely no adjustment, could not figure out any way to get anything going. The receivers were not creating off separation, not adjusting to pass as well. Uh, There were some times where Sam Darnold was looking for a hot route and no one would adjust and be there for it. So everyone else played just as bad as a 33, nothing score would indicate, but, what you want to see in situations like this from a quarterback's perspective, and Darnold has had games like this before where he ha- uh, where his supporting cast played this poorly, but just don't turn the ball over. Just don't make those big mistakes. But he was just – the turnovers he made in this game weren't just bad. They were, like, as bad as they can possibly be, just chucking it up into traffic uh, instead of throwing the ball away or throwing it in the dirt, just trying to make things happen and – uh, making these some of these huge mistakes that are completely inexcusable and way too many of them, not one, not two, uh, but all of these interceptions were really bad ones. And, and also he did have some miscommunications with the receivers as well. So another thing that his teammates didn't do well, but uh, for all the negative things you could say about uh, what the rest of the team did in this game, uh, he still made everything a lot worse 
than it needed to be. So I gave him 11 plays in this game, graded a three or worse. That's 29% of all his plays in this game. That's over 10, over 5% worse uh, than any other game he has played in his career, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's pretty substantial uh, looking at the scale of how, uh, how many of those plays I've given him in his game. So that's actually four more plays graded three or worse than any other game in his career. So really bad game, tons of bad plays, uh, it's hard to really say anything positive about it. He made a couple decent throws late in the game. And like I said, he had a really good throw to Thomas early in the game that he dropped. But other than that, just um, like we said, the bottom line is that no one helped him out. They made things about as hard as it could possibly be with the instant pressure. But all you want to see from him is just getting the ball out, not turning it over, give the defense a chance to win the game, uh, give yourself a chance to just hang in there, adjust, and maybe get that one drive here or there. But he couldn't do that. Let's take a look at the box scores here to get a better idea of what the rest of the team did before we talk about Darnold's specific numbers. Le'Veon Bell actually had a pretty solid game. This is one of his better games of the season. 15 carries for 70 yards, 4.7 yards per carry, of course. Didn't really matter because this game was over before it even began. And if you look at the passing game, this should tell you all you really need to know. The leading receiver here was Demarius Thomas, three catches for 42 yards. Then from there, Jamison Crowder, four for 26. He didn't do much. Robbie Anderson, one catch for 10 yards. And this is a recurring problem, by the way, whenever the Jets play the Patriots because the Patriots just put Stephon Gilmore on Robbie Anderson, and he's just too strong for Robbie Anderson to get off and do anything. And so this is what you typically get with Robbie Anderson when he faces the Patriots. But as you said, he was getting absolutely no help at all from the rest of the offense. And then you take a look at his numbers, and this is as bad of a box score as you could ever see. 11 of 32, 86 yards, 2.7 yards per attempt. Ooh, four interceptions, zero touchdowns, only one sack, but he was under pressure all day from a cover zero defense that wasn't even doing anything particularly advanced or complicated. His QBR was one. And his quarterback rating was 3.6. So, like we said, Michael, sometimes the box scores match what we see with our eyes, and that was the case here. I mean, it's one of the worst stat lines ever posted by a quarterback in the history of this game, especially when you consider that in 2019, passing stats are as as high as they've ever been in the history of the league. So it was really, really bad. He deserved all of those terrible stats that, passer rating of 3.6 the one qbr the less than three yards per attempt it's uh it's really it's astonishing that that actually even happened now that we're talking about these numbers especially after what he did the previous week playing so well against the dallas cowboys but you know again in you mentioned robbie anderson as well he has had absolutely no luck uh, well not luck he's just getting outplayed but he's been uh, very silent against stefan gilmore i believe he's averaged about 15 yards a game in the four games he's played against Gilmore, somewhere around there, something very, very low. Gilmore has absolutely dominated Robbie Anderson uh, in the few games that they played against each other. Uh, so he didn't help him out. So, you know, we should blame Darnold in this game. He deserves all those numbers, but this was also the worst performance. Uh, one of the worst performances I've ever seen from an offense other than uh, outside what Sam Darnold did, just every other part of the offense besides Le'Veon Bell, who did, uh, in most games this season, have some really good moments uh, in spite of uh, the blocking in front of him. Outside of him, just the receivers, the coaching, the offensive line, everything was a mess around Sam Darnold. But we're talking about Sam Darnold here, and this was a uh, – he made it as bad as he possibly could in this situation. Again, all you want to see him do is just 
you know, throw the ball away, don't turn it over, keep the team in the game, but he could not get that done. Interesting note here, too. This was a game that I remember being a very nice one for Leonard Williams, even though it only shows up on the box score as one tackle and half a tackle for loss. He did force an intentional grounding penalty and also forced an interception. Tom Brady threw the ball right into Tremaine Johnson's chest, which is, as you know, Michael, the only way that Tremaine Johnson is ever going to be able to get an interception these days. As far as Tom Brady goes, though, you watched him and his performance in 2019 as well. My memory was that he was okay in this game, nothing special. Didn't need to be, though. If you look at the box score, 31 of 45, 249 yards, 5.5 yards per attempt. One touchdown, the one interception that was caused by Leonard Williams but picked off by Tremaine Johnson. No sacks, 80.4 QBR, 80.7 quarterback rating. So when you compare Darnold to Brady, this is one of those games where the team that was much, much better was obviously not going to need a great quarterback performance, but the contrast was still there because even when Tom Brady was having a so-so game, you looked across the field, you saw Sam Darnold playing one of the worst games that any quarterback could play, and it was almost one of those moments where you said, okay, kid, you got a long way to go. Yeah, and uh, you know it wasn't a dominant performance by Brady. They did not need one from him but it was a pretty typical Brady performance just kept the kept the chains moving made the throws he needed to make had a few pretty good throws in this game that moved the chains but um uh, yeah it was just a classic Brady performance they did not need him to do that much the defense played well uh, so he kept the ball safe and just uh, kept the ball moving and Leonard Williams as you said did play pretty well in this game he actually had his best PFF grade the season he did have three pressures uh one of his many underappreciated performances. Not that anyone deserves appreciation in a game that you lose 33 nothing, but he did play pretty well. But but like you said, just to put, uh, this was a game where we kind of thought that the Jets were going to come out, Sam Darnold was going to come out, and they were going to make this statement that, you know, even though they would only be 2-4 and four if they won the game, probably wouldn't make the playoffs anyway, just a statement that, you know, Darnold in particular was going to uh, just kind of let everyone know that he's coming for the throne in the AFC East, that he's going to be, uh, the up-and-coming star in this division, and it just could not have been further. We we kind of exaggerate sometimes. We say, oh, this could not have been worse, but this could not have been any worse. I guess he could have thrown an interception on every single pass, but realistically, <laughs> this could not have been any worse. It's kind of like in that movie The Scout with Albert Brooks and Brendan Fraser where he strikes out nine batters on 81 pitches. That's the optimal performance of a starting pitcher, I suppose, the optimal performance of a quarterback would be to throw a touchdown pass on every play, and the reverse of that would be to throw an interception on every play. So I suppose it is physically possible to be worse, but it would take a heck of a Herculean effort to be worse than Sam Darnold was in this particular game. And Michael, on that depressing note, we will wrap up part five of this series on Sam Darnold, the Sam Darnold Project. We did the first three games of the 2019 season. We will get into the next three next week. In the meantime, make sure that you are following Michael on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania, N-A-N-I-A. It'll give you all the details on how you can read all of his tremendous work, including over at JetsInsider.com, where he writes with a very big deal, Chris Nimbley. And speaking of Chris Nimbley, if you missed our two fun mailbag episodes from over the weekend, go ahead and download them. There was a particular question that was asked that a lot of people got a kick out of in terms of who would win in a cage match between Manish Mehta and Adam Gase. Now, 
Not only did we talk about who would win, we talked about how it would happen in both a shoot fight and how it would go down in a pro wrestling context. So if you missed that, go ahead and check it out. We did two parts of the mailbag on Saturday and Sunday. Also, if you haven't had a chance to give us a five-star review on iTunes yet, we'd really appreciate it if you could do that for us. And for Joe Caparoso's Turn on the Jets podcast as well. It's a great way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time. It doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So we're very grateful if you could do that for us. And it does a lot to allow us to continue to bring you the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts. And for that, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.